Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. And so right now, we're going to go ahead and get ready to go right into the Word of God. For the last few weeks, we've been on a series entitled Doctrine is Not a Dirty Word. And we've been talking about how to merge Jesus with the doctrines of the church. And so today, do me a favor, like right there, do me a favor. I need your help. I need you to be an Apple apostle. need you to be a digital disciple. need you to be an electronic evangelist. Uh, we need you to help me spread this word with somebody today. So if you can just, uh, man, take it from YouTube, share the link, send it to somebody in a text. If you're on Facebook, just right now, real quick, just hear that, hit that share button. Don't just hit it one time. Hit it like two or three times. Just let's just go ahead and pollute the internet with the gospel of Jesus Christ today uh, as we try to make Jesus known in the world. And so as we get ready to do that, I do want to encourage you at the end of our service, I'll have a, a special challenge, a, a different task I want you to do. So after I close, don't just hop off right away. There's something I need you to do to just kind of help me spread the testimony of Jesus Christ a little bit further. So do me a favor in your Bibles. Go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin together at verse number 1. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin together at verse number 1 as we talk to you today about the doctrine of the resurrection. Now, one of the things I want you to know is that the doctrine of the resurrection has so many different layers to it, but there's just a specific component that I'm going to focus in on today in the teaching of God's Word. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin together at verse number 1. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together, I hope y'all are seeing this, saints. If we have been united together in the of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we have died in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead and he dies no more. Death no longer has any dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I'm going to read for emphasis verse number five. Verse number five. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, he raised me too. He raised me too. Let's pray together. Father, I pray once again that in this little while that you would say much. And my prayer today is that as we hear the word, that we would gain confidence that through Christ Jesus, we can have victory over all things that bind, all things that oppress, and all things that seek to enslave. And so, Father, my prayer is that once again, that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and that Jesus alone might be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Say together, amen and amen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just shift today for time. In Rome, you have this church that is struggling to understand godliness apart from the requirements of the law. You see the shift from the old covenant that was based upon law keeping to the new covenant that is based upon grace has created now this seismic imbalance in the church. And it is interesting that some have seen uh, grace as controversial and polarizing. And whenever something becomes polarizing, it pushes people into opposite camps. So just like in the contemporary church, you have this conservative or orthodox group that is trying to keep things like they are. In fact, they literally see God's grace as a watering down of the standard. And you've also got this permissive group in the church that functions in an immoral way. And they say it's all good because we are covered by divine grace. And when you read the book of Romans, what Paul is trying to do is to draw them out of their extremes so that they can experience the beauty of the gospel. And success in this endeavor is very critical because both extremes are equally deceived and they are both equally lost. But in Romans 6, Paul addresses more specifically this permissive group in the church. You remember in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 Paul says that the law came that the offense might abound but remember he says that where sin abounded grace did much more abound now Paul knows how some in the church are going to hear that he anticipates that some when they hear that grace much more abounds they're going to see that as a license to turn up they're going to see it as an opportunity to go wild and he uses chapter 6 almost as a spiritual disclaimer he says it almost as a constraining statement he says do we go further in sin that grace may abound and here he says certainly not and the first thing Paul is trying to get us to understand is that 
grace doesn't lower the standard. Grace actually fulfills the standard. Now, it's critical, saints, to understand how this permissive group comes into being. Understand that their behavior is a reaction or a backlash to centuries of oppressive religion. Understand now that Judaism was not just governed by the Ten Commandments. They added hundreds of additional laws to supplement spiritual life. In other words, religion was restrictive and oppressive. I would be saved or lost by my do's or my don'ts. So that when they hear that you are no longer under the law but under grace, they literally are so excited to have the yoke lifted. They're so glad to have the bondage removed that they literally move to the moral opposite extreme. And the irony is that these two groups think that they are opposite, but in essence, they're actually twins. What makes them the same is that neither group functions from relationship. They're all simply trying to avoid God's wrath. In other words, you've got these law keepers that use the law or obedience to abandon the wrath of God. And then you've got this permissive group that uses the grace of God to keep them from the consequences of sin. And understand, saints, that this tension permeates the entire New Testament church. For in Galatians 5, 13, Jude 1 and verse 4, 1 Peter 2, 16, the refrain is given that grace is not a license to continue in sin. In fact, the grace of God doesn't lower the standard. Again, grace actually fulfills the standard. And the truth is that there are some in the church that function like those in the first century. In other words, their religion is not a response to the goodness of God. Their religion is a response to the acts of broken people. In other words, it is a extreme response to bad religion. And as a result, your liberty is not in Christ. In fact, some have adopted a faulty liberty and and we've traded one form of bondage for another. And perhaps there are some of us that have grown up in bad religious tradition. There are some of us that have experienced church hurt along the way. Some have had the yoke pressed so heavily upon them that they're reacting not to God but to human tradition. And so we reach a place that we see things that were meant to preserve us as a form of bondage. In other words, we are so bad that certain basic tenets of faith, we see them as a form of restriction. In other words, we're in a place where we see things like modesty as bondage. We see Sabbath as bondage. We see stewardship as bondage. We see commitment as bondage. We've gotten to a place where holiness is described as bondage. And see, because bad religion was forced so heavily upon you, you now use grace to discard all moral restraint. And because bad religion was your former 
or taskmaster, you in search of liberty implement a greater form of bondage. And this is why Paul is addressing this. He knows that there are some under a specific deception because they've been hurt by religion. They've come to see sin as liberty and they make grace their accomplice. And what I want to say to some who are functioning in response to bad religion, you've got to start, stop, start responding to Christ and stop responding to crazy church folk. In other words, if you never grow up, you'll trade one form of oppression for another. And I need somebody to know that when you're trying to be delivered from religion, what happens is Satan becomes your Moses. And the problem is that when Lucifer becomes your deliverer, he never takes you into Canaan. He just takes you the long way back to Egypt. And what you see as liberation becomes a greater bondage. And I want somebody to understand that no matter how badly religion has hurt you in the past, I need you to know that there ain't no deliverance in the clubs. There ain't no freedom in the body bottle. There is no healing in the hemp. There is no breakthrough in fornication. There is no joy in materialism. You don't get better through divorce and in an attempt to get away from something something bad, you may actually run into something worse. Okay, let me say it this way. I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story of Tina Turner. And, and the story says that essentially that Tina grew up singing in church. Like some of us, she had to be there several times a week, had to be there several times a day. And see, Tina thought church and religion was too restricting. She thought there was too much like bondage. So Tina began to go down to the club where she met a cat named Ike Turner and Ike promised Tina that I'm going to take you places, that I'm going to uh, uh, liberate you, that I'm going to make you something. And what Tina didn't realize is that in an attempt to get away from bondage, she actually drifted over into something even worse. And can I suggest to a generation that's trying to get away from religious bondage that you need to know that the devil is the Ike Turner of the spirit. And in an attempt to get away from something bad, you're actually becoming enslaved to something worse. Are you hearing me today, saints? Now again, I need somebody to understand that grace, my friends, does not lower the standard, but again, grace fulfills the standard. Now remember what Jesus said, my friends. He says, think not that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but I've come to fulfill it. In other words, Christ did not destroy the law. He literally personified it. He ratified it. Christ was the one that made it all come together. Are you hearing me, saying? And so this is how grace works, my friends. Grace shifts righteousness from requirement to relationship. Grace moves obedience from obligation to opportunity. And what Jesus did was he didn't nullify the Ten Commandments. He simply summarized them and put them in the context of relationship. See, Jesus challenged our thinking, friends, when he moved the law from the forum of obligation and he put it in the context of love. In other words, Jesus said, my friends, that if you want to obey Moses, 
Moses and the law and the prophets. You simply got to keep two commandments that he put in the context of love. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your strength. And the second is likened unto it that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch this, saints, and this is where you're going to shout, is that obedience is not an obligation. Obedience is an expression of love. Let me say it again. In other words, obedience ought not be an obligation. Grace makes obedience an expression of love. Now, now remember, saints, that in Scripture, Christ used two primary metaphors to kind of reflect his relationship to us. Number one, he is bridegroom and we are bride. And secondly, he is father and we are his children. Now, I need you to know you can see how the law is supposed to work in the context of marriage. So now I need you to know, saints, that I've been married married now going on 18 years and because I love my wife there are certain things I do put this up because I love her I don't I put her first because I love her I ain't got no pictures of no old girlfriends because I love her I make time for her because I love her I don't lie to her because I love her I'm faithful to her and because I love her I don't hide money from her come on and say amen now the thing I don't know if you get saints in describing to you how I love my wife what I actually just described was six of the ten commandments in other words put that up in other words when I say I because I put her first that's the first commandment which says no other gods before me when I say I don't put no pictures of old girlfriends that's the second and third commandment I've got no graven images or no idols when I make time for her that's the fourth commandment. I keep the Sabbath holy. When I don't lie to her, that's the ninth commandment, which says, thou shalt not lie. When I'm faithful, that's the seventh commandment, which says, thou shalt not commit adultery. When I don't hide money, that's another commandment, which says, thou shalt not steal. And see, the thing somebody's got to get is that the commandments were never to be a checklist to keep you out of the doghouse. The commandments were to be an expression of love for a relationship that you value and what I'm saying to somebody today is that I what the uh, grace does is it takes the trying out of it it takes the effort out of it it makes obedience organic because it functions out of love and not out of fear and as long as I love God obedience becomes incidental when I'm in love with Jesus righteousness is simply the result are y'all hearing me today saints in other words it requires maturity to function like this so so again I'm a grown man but I'm blessed to have my parents living nearby. Now, I need you to know that when you're a child, guess what? You have to obey your parents. You have to revere your parents. But I need you to know that even though I have my own house and I pay my own bills, I need you to know that I revere them better as an adult than I did as a child. See, as a child, I did it because I had to. But as
as an adult, I do it because I want to. In other words, they ain't got to ask me to do this. They ain't got to tell me to do that. But because I love them, I'm compelled to honor them. And what I'm saying to somebody today, beloved, is that you've got to mature in your faith to where you stop trying to function with a checklist of do's and don'ts. But because you love your father, which is in heaven, your acts of righteousness are fueled by an aggressive love instinct to a person that you are in love with. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? In other words, let, let me say this about grace. See, what grace does is that grace makes righteousness software. Okay, let, let me say it again. Grace makes righteousness like software. In other words, how software works, where, whether it's an app on your computer or on your phone, what happens is all of the commands of the detail are encoded onto the hard drive of your device. So guess what? When I get ready to use Microsoft app, I ain't got to tell it what to do. All I've got to do is launch the application. And because it's encoded on the software, it automatically does without prompting. Y'all didn't catch that today. In other words, when the law of God becomes software on the inside, as opposed to requirements from the outside, I simply function because the law of God has been encoded on my heart. I simply do as God would have me to do. Does that make sense to you today, saints? So go back with me, if you don't mind, to Romans chapter uh, 6, and let's look together to verse number 2. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 2. Let's look to the Word of God today, together. Romans chapter 6 and verse 2. I'm going to read verse 1. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his what? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. The second thing that this text teaches us really briefly, saints, is that in Christ, everything gets buried. See, I need y'all to get saints that the language Paul uses here is actually very intentional. He says that we are buried with Christ through baptism. In other words, he uses the word burial almost as a rebuke to some of the contemporary practices of the time. Now, I need you to get this, saints, that the Jew, uh, the, the, the Judeo-Christians at the time, they had a more elaborate burial process than some of the other nations in the Roman Empire. In fact, when you went throughout the Roman Empire, individuals had some very sloppy burial customs, so that there were some that did not completely bury their dead. They would just take them and dump them in a valley of the deceased, like the vision that Ezekiel saw in the vision of dry bones. There are some that if a wicked man was dead, they would cast some dirt on him, but leave him partly exposed to shame him even in his death. And then there were some that were very superstitious in that they did not bury the entire person. 
person. They would keep maybe a finger or hair or certain parts and they would keep them to be viewed as a form of commemorating those who had died. But understand that in the Jewish or now Judeo-Christian economy, understand that they didn't partly bury people. They did not mostly bury people. They did not keep portions of the body. When you were buried, they buried the entire person. In other words, when you got buried, they didn't leave none of you uncovered. When you were buried, none of you was left exposed. When you were buried, none of you was left out. In other words, when you got buried, the entire person was buried. And see, this is why, friends of mine, burial becomes a symbol of baptism. It is why baptism is practiced this way. Because, friends of mine, when you take somebody down into the watery grave, see, this is why we don't sprinkle. We don't just want it to symbolize a portion of you being covered. We don't baptize by effusion. We baptize by immersion. In other words, we take you all the way down in the water. We want you to be completely covered. In fact, if I don't get all of you under the water, I'm going to take you down again because the symbol says every part of you is supposed to be buried in the watery grave. In other words, everything about your former life is to be covered. Everything about who you used to be is to be buried. And how many of us know that when we are baptized into Christ, that every part of my past is buried, that none of my past is exposed, that none of it is left out, that none of it is where somebody can remember it. None of it is to be commemorated. In other words, when you get buried in Jesus, all of your past is completely washed away. Are you hearing me, saints? And see, the reason every part of Jesus was to be buried on Good Friday, the reason he had to be entombed and it had to be sealed it was to foreshadow that our entire past would be entombed and that we would be sealed by the power of God and I just want to know is there anybody on the line that can just celebrate that in Christ your whole life has been buried in other words ain't nothing exposed ain't nothing left out ain't nothing where people can see it but all of your life has been buried by the power of Jesus Christ and see the thing I want to encourage somebody to know is that you need to let go of man that sense of guilt that sense of being unworthy because I need you to know that in Christ you are his new creation can the church say amen so go with me in the Bible to the book of Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 when you get there let me say amen Micah chapter 7 verses 18 and verse 19 the word says who is a God like you pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression over the remnant of his heritage he does not retain his anger forever but he delights in mercy somebody ought to shout the Bible says he will again have compassion on us he will subdue our iniquities you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea in other words, God says, I'm going to put it so far down that nobody can retrieve it. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. 
Hebrews chapter 8 uh, and verse 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12. The Bible says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. God says, I will remember them no more. In other words, God says, not only will I forgive your sins, God says, I'll clear your history where it can never, ever be recalled to mind. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Matter of fact, let me say it this way. In fact, uh, some teenagers going to use this the wrong way. Uh, it's crazy how, like, when you go surfing for stuff on the Internet, uh, you know that they, they say that everything you've searched for is always caught up somewhere in your history. But understand that Apple has a browser called Safari. And they say with Safari, when it's connected to the cloud, when it's connected to the cloud, you can actually delete the history. So that if somebody looked in your browser, they can't see where you've been. Now, I need you to know that they say the websites will always keep a record of where you've been. The websites always know where it's been. But if they look in your history or your device... They can't find no mention of it. And what I'm saying is, beloved, you have visited some bad websites. In other words, people go always remember where you've been. They go always remember what you've done. They go always have a record of your own. But guess what? When you're connected to the cloud and you're connected in Jesus, guess what? The record has been terminated and there is no record of where you've been or what you've done because you've been completely buried in Jesus. Are you hearing the word today, saints? Third thing that this story teaches us or this text, it teaches us, and this is critical, we can't just bury the stain of sin if we're not going to bury the practice of sin. Now, now, there's a reason that Paul is addressing these issues in the church. Are you with me? And it is because, saints, both of these groups that we're talking about, they literally distort the image of God. In other words, these law keepers, what they do is they mar the image of God because they communicate that God is binding and restricting and looking with jealous eye for an opportunity to destroy mankind. But guess what? This permissive or immoral group, they also literally nullify the claims of the gospel because all they claim is that I'm forgiven, but they never demonstrate that I've been transformed. In other words, like for those who are looking at them from the world. In other words, the claim of the gospel seems untrue because to them, y'all are just like us. Y'all have just been baptized by water. So to communicate this, he uses symbols that they are familiar with to kind of communicate this pivotal truth. And, and, and it's actually kind of epic that, that Paul says that, 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 that Christ's death and his resurrection should literally function as a symbol or our foreshadowing of what should be happening in the Christian life. He says, when you are baptized, my friends, I need somebody to get that baptism has no power in it. That there is no mystical quality in the water that transforms. So I need you to get that the baptism, that when you get into the pool, it is literally a symbol of what should be happening internally. 
In other words, when you go down, that the outward symbol is simply to mirror the fact that you've already died to the old way. And when you come up, it is a symbol that you've already begun walking in newness of life. Now, now, in the same way, watch this, a wedding doesn't make you fall in love. It's the same way a baptism doesn't make you converted. In other words, a wedding, wedding is the confirmation of love. It, it is the outward symbol that you are in love. It doesn't make you in love. In the same way, a baptism does not change. It is the outward demonstration. Ah, better yet, it is the outward announcement. It is the announcement that you have changed. Now watch this because Paul, man, I mean, he goes in, he gets actually very confrontational with the church in the way he writes this. He literally puts it in the context of an if. He literally questions the validity of their entire Christian experience because he's saying, if you have died to the old way, then this stuff that I'm hearing about shouldn't be happening in the church. And what he's getting to is that some of you have been baptized. In other words, you've had the symbol, but the problem is you ain't had the experience. And verse 6, he literally says, knowing this, that our old man, that it was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And he lays out certain things as an impossibility. He's saying, there is no way I can be dead to sin and walking in it simultaneously. And there is an assertion that essentially a lot of y'all have gone to the grave, but you're still alive. You've gotten buried, but you never died. You've been entombed, but your old pulse never ceased. In other words, you've got the symbol of the new life. You've announced that you've got new life, but you're still living the same life. Now again, I need you to get what the rebuke is, friends. The rebuke is not just that the people sin. Don't miss this. The rebuke is the hypocrisy of saying to the world, I've had an experience that I ain't never had. It is literally that hypocrisy that destroys the witness of the gospel. See, understand that Romans, Romans 6 is not just about people that fall short. It is literally about people that have no difference between their old life and their current life. See, the rebuke of chapter 6 is you've announced to the world that you've died. You've announced to the world that you've been changed. But when I look at who you were and who you are, I see no disruption. In other words, your current life is not a break from the old life. It is a worse and more degraded continuation of who you used to be. And you've claimed the wedding. You've claimed the symbol, but you've not lived the reality. And see, this is what I need somebody to get, is when your Christian experience is all profession, but it's not practice, Guess what? The gospel of Jesus Christ then suffers. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? See, see, what Romans 6 is talking about is what we too often see in the church. It is a case of false advertising. What, what do you mean, pastor? It's just kind of like this. Y'all, y'all know, man, I'm, I'm a LeBron fan and, and, yo, I'm, I'm all things LeBron. But like, one of the things that tripped me out is, is like, man, I remember like a couple years ago, your boy LeBron, he was a spokesman. Uh, he was doing commercials for Kia. 
Y'all remember that? So, so, so LeBron was making commercials for, for the car called Kia. I was like, oh man, your, your boy LeBron, he, he's pitching Kia. Maybe, maybe they own the something. But the crazy thing is, Shay, that whenever he pulled up to the arena, and whenever they got pictures of him on social media, he ain't driving in no Kia. He is pulling up in a Lamborghini. He's showing up in a Corvette. He He's showing up in a Porsche. And it's crazy because now I'm kind of going out on what he's endorsing because he's not practicing it. And what God is saying to some of us is that I don't just want you to make the commercial. I want you to have the experience. In other words, he's saying, I want you to get to a place where you experience spiritual death. Why? Ah, and this is the fourth point. The reason you got to experience spiritual death in order to be raised is because dead people are (laughs) non-responsive. In other words, I need somebody to stay with me. I'm almost done. See, what death does is death makes us non-responsive. See, see, this is why Ecclesiastes 9. Solomon says that when a person dies, that that the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Stay with me. For he literally says the memory of them is forgotten. And also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perish in other words that once they die they become non-responsive in other words when a person dies you can't make them jealous you can't make them mad you can't entice them sexually you can't entice them in it because when you're dead you literally become non-responsive it's just like we say in contemporary culture like like when we are really done with something we be like yo he she they are dead to me and I'm, I'm dead to, in other words, I'm not going to respond to them anymore. I'm done with their foolishness. I ain't going back that way again. So no matter what they say, no matter how they appeal, I ain't giving them no energy. I ain't giving them no time. I ain't making no investments there. In other words, he, she, they, it, they are dead to me. Why? Because I'm not responding to it anymore. And see, I need you to understand that when somebody has died, no matter how much they used to drink, they ain't responding to it no more. When somebody's dead, no matter how much they like a certain food, they're not responding to it anymore. When somebody's dead, no matter how mad certain people used to make them, they don't respond to it anymore. Because when I've died, I become non-responsive. So that, saints, when I've truly died to sin... I don't keep responding to it in the same way. So so when I die to sin, let me just say this because I want to keep it all the way 100. Like when I die to sin, it doesn't mean sin don't appeal to me no more. Now I know some of y'all have so are so spiritual. You have graduated to this plane where sin does not even appeal to your wretchedness anymore. You 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 are like Enoch. You got one foot in heaven, but I'm not there just yet. In other words, because remember, this is metaphorical language. It's not an actual demonstration. In other words, there are going to be some of us that, man, because of your life, when, when you hear a beer opening, it's still going to appeal to you. There's going to be some where fornication will appeal, that certain indulgences will always appeal, that pettiness is going to appeal, that being vengeful is going to always appeal. See, my declaration is not that sin won't appeal. My my declaration is that if I've been made alive, I don't respond to it. 
In other words, saints, I need you to get this because see me not responding to it. It doesn't mean that I don't, it doesn't appeal. Me not responding to it is based upon knowledge. What do you mean, Pastor? Now that I'm no longer walking in darkness and I'm now walking in this marvelous light, I see certain things. And the, oh, though it may appeal, I know what's on the other side of that temptation. See, the reason I don't respond is I can see the hook sticking through the bait. I, I can see the snare on the other side of the sensation. I can see the trap on the other side of the temporary fulfillment. So the reason I don't respond is because I am walking in the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. And I just need to know, is there anybody that has been died, that has died to the old way? I need somebody to tell testify that there are some things you don't respond to like you used to respond to is there anybody that can say i'm dead to pettiness so i don't respond to it like that no more can anybody say i'm dead to alcoholism so i don't respond to it like that no more is there anybody that can say crispy cream still appeals but i don't respond to it like that no more is there some that can say i once was lost but now i'm found i once was blind but now I see I once used to go whenever it calls but now I don't respond because I've been liberated and delivered through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ so watch this saints listen I need you to know I'm almost done I'm going to be quick I'm going to be Shea Crockett short on this word today right so, so watch this so the question becomes why why then does Jesus have to get up See, one of the reasons that Jesus had to get up, and there are a multitude, listen, I could teach on the doctrine of resurrection for like six weeks all by itself, but the reason Jesus had to get up, friends of mine, was not just so we could be resurrected from a physical death. The reason Jesus had to get up was to guarantee the spiritual resurrection I just talked about. Go with me in your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. Romans chapter 8. Verses 9 through 11. Hear ye the word of the Lord. The Bible says, Romans 8, 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead shall give life to your mortal bodies that through the spirit that dwells inside of you. Did you catch that, saints? In other words, it is the spirit that invaded a grave where death reigned and had dominion. And literally manhandled death to the resurrection of the Lord. It is that same spirit that is inside of me that gives me the power to now walk in a newness of life. So the question is, why is Satan trying to keep Jesus in the grave? No, he was not just trying to keep the witness of the resurrection from being known. Remember, Jesus said while he was on earth, it is good for you that I go. 
He says, if I don't go, then guess what? The comforter or the Holy Spirit will not come. In other words, he says, I've got to make it back home. Because if I don't make it back home, then guess what? The Holy Ghost can't come. And the reason he wanted to keep a legion of demons pressing on the stone, the reason he wanted to keep Christ in the grave is that if Christ came out of the grave, after about six weeks, he would go back to the Father. And when he went back to the Father, after about ten more days, the Holy Spirit would come. And when the Holy Spirit would come, it would give a greater guarantee that those of us who are once dead in trespasses, once dead in iniquities, once dead in the old way of living, we now have access to the power that raised Christ from the grave, which enables me to walk in newness of life, no matter what used to hold me down. See, friends of mine, I need you to understand that Christ had no advantage. Oh, that Christ had no upper hand. That the same power that raised him from the dead, when it operates in you, is going to nullify your flesh so that you can walk in newness of life. So don't you walk around here, child of God, just using grace as a license of sin. Because you think the high mark of the gospel is just being forgiven. The best part is not just being buried. The best part is not just saying I'm sorry and knowing that grace is available. The best part is when grace makes righteousness a part of my software and it enables me to do that which I cannot do by myself. Is there anybody that can just take a moment and praise God and say I once was dead to the old life, but the Spirit has given me new life in the Son. I'm walking in newness of life. The old way is in the permanent past and I am Christ's new creation. Are you hearing the word today? Listen, I'm done. I want somebody to simply understand that the beauty of the resurrection was not just a guarantee that one day we'll get out of a grave. No, you missed it because if that's all it was about, it means you can't shout until Jesus comes. But I need you to know that the beauty of the resurrection is that it guaranteed that no matter how bad I was enslaved to the old life, I'm now walking in newness of life now. And as we said yesterday, watch this. You realize that the physical resurrection is just going to be an outgrowth. It's the inevitability of the resurrection I already had when I died to the old way and began a new life in Jesus Christ, the son. And see, my prayer for somebody today is that you would be able to receive what it is that the apostle is saying to us. He's saying the reason some of us don't grow, the reason is so frustrating, the reason we make one step forward and two steps back is, is that some of us, we went to the grave, but we never died. That There was never an interruption in the life where, where we literally said goodbye to the old life. And said, yes, now, as I am being quickened, I'm experiencing new life in the Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, some of us have been walking around like a couple that has gotten married, but we were never in love. We got the symbol, but we never had the experience. Some of us have been baptized with water, and, and, and that's as far as it went, but we never really died to the old life. 
And God is trying to raise up a generation of people. See, this is important. Oh, I missed the whole good point. So you realize most people, well, not most people, none of us saw Christ raised from the dead. <laughs> they got it on tape. So you realize to the world, the fact that he was raised, that don't mean nothing. But you know where they should see a resurrection? When they look at me and when they look at you. And see, what I need somebody to get is that your, uh, this, this large disparity between practice and profession, this constant backsliding, you know what it does? Is it invalidates the beauty of the resurrection. Because if, if he can't raise us, what difference does it make me make if he got out of the grave? It just means he's living his best life in glory, but we still be down here doing the same old thing. And what I'm saying to somebody today is that God wants to grow you and mature you to a place where the Spirit of God, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, because again, saints, I need somebody to get this, because see, this message is not about doing or what you don't. It, it is about letting the Spirit of God fill your heart so fully and so richly that righteousness becomes like software and you literally begin to get to a place where you're so full of the Holy Spirit it's not that it doesn't appeal but you just stop responding to it in the same way and you don't respond because you have knowledge you you can see the hook on the inside of the worm you you see the trap on the other side of the temptation and God is saying, it's time for us to start walking in newness of life. And I'm going to just say to somebody, just as plainly as Paul said it, like, listen, if you're saying that you've been born again, but but there was no disruption between who you were and who you are, you're, you're, yeah, like I shared with you before, you know, there are times where, man, well, like late at night, sometimes on Saturday night, that's like the only night I stay up late. And it's crazy, like you be up late and, and watching TV and, and you're eating something you shouldn't be eating. And, and as soon, man, as that briars get good to you, like all these exercise and diet pill commercials come on, you just be all guilty. <laughs> it's like, dang. But one of the way things they do to prove that it works, uh, the diet pill commercial or the exercise, is what they do is they show a before picture of this out-of-shaped, overweight person. And they show an after picture of a thin, ripped-up kind of guy or lady. And it's reason they contrast before with after is the proof is in the results. The proof is in the transformation. Now, if they show the before picture and the after picture and they look just alike, ain't nobody buying into nothing you selling. And see, the problem is, for too many of us, our after picture and our before picture, it looks like twins. And the problem with some of us is some of us, our after picture is even worse than what it was before we claimed to start knowing the Lord. And God is looking for some saints who are not just going to make the commercial. God is looking for some people that are not just going to endorse it. God is looking for some people who are going to actually practice it. Because I need you to know, Christianity, it is, this is not a performance. This is not a show. This is a lived experience. That if lived more consistently and out loud, it will literally change the world and turn it on its head. But for many of us, they look, many folk in the world, they look at church and all they see is a Sunday or Sabbath morning performance. Why do they see this performance? Because they see us on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And the only time we get holy is one day out of the week. 
But God is calling us into something greater. He's calling us into something real. He wants us to experience resurrection power in Jesus Christ. So today there's somebody who's hearing the word of God at home. You're on a device. And, and maybe like those in Rome, man, you, you just been, you've spent your whole adult life responding to bad religion. You've been responding to the brokenness of people as opposed to the goodness of God. And as a result, you've traded one type of bondage in for something that's even worse. And you're saying, let me just use grace as a covering. Grace as an excuse. No, grace doesn't lower the standard. Grace fulfills it. Great Grace allows the Lord God to function like software as an expression of your love. Not just a checklist to be covered. And God wants to move you into that type of experience. He wants to move you into that type of reality. But at some point, you got to say, I'm saying goodbye to the old way. I'm dying to the old way. I'm done responding to the old life. And I want the spirit of God to nullify my flesh so that I don't respond in the same way. And there are plenty of folk on this line that can tell you when somebody used to come for you, they, listen, they, they would use their tongue to cut you up and down. But because they've been made new, they don't respond the same way. There are some folk that used to lay hands in a different kind of way. But because of Christ, we don't respond the same way. That there are some of us that will be everywhere on a Sabbath morning except in front of a screen listening to the gospel. But guess what? We don't respond the same way. And there is somebody, I do want to say this because some of us, we, we almost probably are getting too down on ourselves. Because one of the things I need you to know about your before and your after picture is they don't change overnight. This, this is a journey that I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about a marathon. This ain't a sprint. But the good news is that he which has begun a good work in us shall continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing the word of God today? So there's somebody that needs to say yes. There is somebody that needs to say goodbye to the old life. That needs to say yes to the new life. And, and you, you, you are having the experience. You see God rooting some stuff out. Literally, you can't sit still in your living room. And it is because you're having the experience. And what you want to do is you want to culminate it with the symbol. You want to say, I, I feel Christ causing me to die to the old way i'm being made new in a new life and today you want to make it up in your mind to, to to share or make the announcement to the world that i'm saying goodbye to the old and saying yes to the new and you want to be baptized you want to go all the way with jesus christ you want to become a member of this church you're here in the huntsville area just email us at prayer at first sdachurch.com email us at prayer at first sdachurch.com or or maybe you're on facebook maybe you're on on youtube and right there in the comment section there, there's a portion that's coming up uh, a link coming up called type form and if you click on that link right there you can make your decision known to go all the way with jesus christ through baptism rededication or maybe you just need to say, I need to join the church of the living God. I've been, I've been kind of hopping around for too long, but today I need to say yes to the Lord. I need to settle right here at First Church. You can make that decision on email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com or you can click on that link and make the same decision there as well. You want to say, I want to say goodbye to the old. I want to say yes to the new. I want to experience the born again experience of what it means to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's your desire, just say yes to his will, yes to his way, yes to his direction. And after I pray, I'm going to give you a specific instruction that's going to allow you to be able to help make Christ known and, and validate the claims of the resurrection. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. Father, we again thank you for your word. Your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, I am praying that we would not, let me actually say this, Lord, we repent. 
that we have used grace as a license not to change. That we've used our greatest power conceptually to stay where we are instead of using that power to be transformed fully into your image. So Lord, there is somebody that needs to become non-responsive to the old way, the old way of talking and walking and living. They, they literally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, need to have the flesh mortified so they can begin walking in newness of life. Lord, my prayer for somebody right now is that the Holy Spirit is filling the heart that they're becoming ripened in the things of God and they're becoming hardened to the old ways of this life. May we experience and bear witness to the resurrection so that the world would know Christ was raised. And the way they know Christ was raised is simply because they look at us living a brand new life. So Lord, we thank you for your word. But we don't want your word to just be theory. We want your word to be lived experience. We want to have it. We want to know you. And no matter how long we or how short we've been walking in the way, help us to begin now to start walking in newness of life. This, Father, is our prayer. This is our plea. We ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Let God's people say together, amen. And amen. Listen, real quick, guys, I need y'all to help me with something. I need y'all to help me share this word. But one of the ways I want you to help me share this word is I want you to help me by sharing your experience. See, there are many of us that are on this line today that know what it means to be made alive in Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to ask you to do this afternoon is help me with what we're calling a postcard testimony. And what you're going to simply do is you're going to take a piece of paper, a postcard, poster board, or maybe you can just type it in on social media, on Facebook, uh, uh, Instagram, and you're simply going to make this statement. I am dead to blank. Now I walk in newness of life. This is what you're going to simply write down. You can type it down. I'm dead to blank. Now I walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 4, hashtag Romans 6, 4, hashtag he raised me too. And what we're going to do is you're just going to put that testimony. Maybe you're dead to fear. Maybe you're dead to anger. Maybe you're dead to malice. Maybe you're dead to vengeance. And you just want to testify to that fact that somebody might know. Go ahead and just show the pastors. The pastors are testifying right here. Uh, on, on the screen, Pastor Rashid said, I'm dead to, to, uh, to self. I'm alive to service. Pastor Crock said, I'm dead to legalism. I'm alive to grace and mercy. Pastor Lampkin said, I'm dead to fear. And now he is walking in newness of life, alive to faith that attempts to do the impossible. So do me a favor. This is your assignment for this afternoon. I need you to help me flood the internet, flood social media, flood Facebook, flood Instagram with your testimony of being made dead to the old way. Newness of life. This is it. Write it down real quick. I'm dead to blank. Whatever you want to share. You ain't got to be, you can be as specific as you want to be. But what you're trying to do is encourage somebody else to know that God is able. I'm dead to blank. Now I walk in newness of life. Hashtag Romans 6, 4. Hashtag he raised me too. God bless you. We thank you all so much for allowing us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into your home. We pray that it was a rich blessing to you. We pray that you have a great Easter weekend as we celebrate our risen Lord. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. 
Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.